Thanks for listening to the Wellspring Church Podcast. to just pause and pray. Can we do that? Can we just pray before we get started this morning? Heavenly Father, thank you for setting the table this morning for us. Thank you that you have brought every person here and that you have something specific you want them to hear this morning. So I pray over the next few minutes that you would open our ears, that you would open our hearts to receive the truth that you want for us today. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Um, my name is April, by the way. If you don't know me, I'm our children's pastor here at Wellspring, and I also serve in our communications team, so I love to get to be here sometimes and spend the morning with you guys. Um, I want to dive right in this morning because I'm kind of excited about what we're going to talk about. I think you'll find it relatable, but as we dive in, I want to start a little bit differently. I want you to fill in the blank to a statement, not out loud, but just to yourself. I want you to complete this thought. I wish I had more blank. What's the first thing that pops in your, don't say it out loud yet. (laughs) I wish I had more blank. Now turn to your neighbor and tell them the first thing that popped into your head. (laughs) I wish I could pick out all of your answers. Because it seems like it's funny. If we were on an episode of Family Feud, we could have a lot of fun. I mean, a lot of fun. I bet some of the answers would be coffee. I wish I had more energy. I wish I had more money. Hello? How many of you said more money? I wish I had more patience. Did you need some patience getting ready for church today? I wish I had more fun. I wish I had more friends. Men, I wish I had more hair. (laughs) I wish I had more hair. Hey, that's a thing you can wish for. How many of you, though, said, I wish I had more time? Show of hands. That's what I thought. That's my answer, too. I wish I had more time. We want more time to work to meet our deadlines. We want more time to go on vacation as we're halfway through the summer. How many of you are already wishing that you had more vacation time? I wish I had more time to spend with my kids. I wish I had more time to work out. I wish I had more time to sleep. More sleep would be great. There's lots of things that that we all wish we had more time for. That's a very common feeling that we all experience. Even if you didn't say, I wish I had more time right now. I bet you felt that. You thought, there's just not enough hours in the day. I just don't have enough time to do this. I don't have enough time to do that. We all experience that. But have you ever stopped and asked yourself this question? Why do I need more time? Why do I really need more time? There's a lot of ways we could answer that question. The obvious answer is, I don't have enough, right? I need more time because I don't have enough. For us in our household, I've been thinking about this a lot over the last couple of months because we're in a different phase of life. We have two teenagers that both have jobs. 
We're gonna have one as a senior in high school this year. She drives independently. We've got another with his permit, who's my personal chauffeur. And then we also have a baby who's gonna be in middle school. <laughs> so time is moving so fast. Late night feedings that I used to complain about have been replaced with late night conversations. Well, they're still late night feedings. Um, <laughs> they still, boys especially, there's a lot of late night snacking. Um, but they've been replaced. And what used to be tricycles and piggy banks has become cars and debit cards, right? And I feel like time is slipping away from us so fast and I want more time to prepare them for real life. I want more time to teach them. I want more time to just enjoy them in our home. But there's a lot of reasons that we feel like we need more time. Sometimes it's because we have all these demands and expectations on us from culture, from the world, from the people around us. You've got to make your boss happy. You've got your family that puts expectations on you. You've got friends that have expectations of you. We have demands on ourselves. We create expectations for ourselves. We want to be a better parent. We want to do and provide more for our children than we had growing up. We put all these things on our plate. Some, some of you students, you want to have nothing less than straight A's. You want to be the most valuable player on the team. You want to keep your coach happy. Adults, you want to be really excellent in your job, you want to be the top salesman, you want to do a great job, and all of those are good goals. Nothing is wrong with that. That's not bad, but what happens is we start piling all of this stuff onto our plate and overfilling our lives to the point that we are stressed and chaotic, and that is not the life that God has planned for us. God wants us to have a life of peace and abundance, not chaos and scarcity of time. We just sang a song about how God is running after us with goodness. Your goodness is running after me. And I just stood there thinking, yeah, but do we ever stand still long enough to embrace his goodness? Do we ever just get still long enough to experience the goodness that he has put in front of us? If you were here a few weeks ago, we did a series called The Blueprint, which was a study of the book of Ephesians. Trey taught it, and it was mostly about God's plan for us and how we can live out that plan as presented for us in Ephesians by Paul. And one of the verses that we highlighted, Paul says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. It's clear from reading this verse that we are a masterpiece. God has masterfully, intentionally, wonderfully created us. And I look at that verse and my mind is blown by what a masterpiece we are, right? God has created us to do all kinds of incredible things, to imagine, to create, to innovate, to explore. He's made us intuitive and creative and resourceful. He's made us problem solvers. He's made us able to produce and reproduce. He's made our bodies able to do incredible things and to withstand incredible things. So we look at and we say, God, we are a masterpiece. That must mean I'm a superhero, right? I can do whatever I want to do. I can do all the good things, right? 
And we could all think of lots of good things that God might have planned for us to do. I made a little list in my journal, and I just ripped this page out and brought it with me. Um, Here's some good things that you might do and that I do, and you could probably think of lots more. Work and earn a living. Work out, pay bills and taxes, take care of the house, spend time with your spouse, play with your kids, care for your loved ones, um, invest in your friendships, enjoy a vacation, rest and sleep, attend and throw and celebrate birthday parties and weddings and graduations, help a friend, volunteer at church, help at your kid's school, babysit your grandkids. We could keep going and going and going with all the good things that we fill our lives with. Most of what occupies our time is good stuff. Notice I did not say um, plot revenge, (laughs) toilet paper your neighbor's yard, Try to get arrested. If any of those things are on your to-do list this week, I can tell you with confidence, go ahead and scratch those off because that is definitely not one of the good things that God planned for you to do long ago. But there are so many good things that can fill our time and occupy our lives. So how do we know which ones to do? Managing our time is a lifelong process because we're always moving through different phases and stages of our lives. But I believe that as Christ followers, as people who are seeking to follow God, that evaluating our time and how we spend that time is an important part of growing and maturing in our relationship with God. Because our goal as Christ followers is to always be growing up to look more like our Heavenly Father and seeking to do what is pleasing and honoring to him, which means that we've gotta be evaluating our time. And I'm still learning this, I'll still be learning this for a long time, I'm sure. But a couple of years ago, I began to have a shift in the way that I think about time when I started to embrace two truths. The first one is this, God is the organizer of time. God is the organizer of time. He created it, he ordained it, and he organized it. If you go to Genesis chapter one and you read about the creation of the world when God created everything, we're told that he separated light from dark and he called the light day and he called the dark night. And it says in Genesis one that when evening passed and morning came again, God declared that to be one day, one day. And then he made all the things, all the land, the vegetation, the animals, people, and he looked at all the things that he made and he said, it is good. He was satisfied with what he made. He was satisfied with the order and the organization of what he made, including the organization of time. So as a follower of God, if God declares something is good, then I can trust that it's good. I can look at 24 hours in a day, at the four seasons, at 365 days in a year and say, okay, God, if you say that's good, it must not just be good enough. It's just perfect. It's just right. When our daughter Emily was little, She had a sweet tooth. Well, she still does. 
But she um, had a really big sweet tooth when she was little. And so sometimes I would fix her as a treat, a little bowl of ice cream. And she would see that bowl of ice cream and she would go, that's not enough. I need more. And sometimes she would throw a tantrum and say, if I can't have more than that, I'm just going to get something else. And I would look at her and I would say, this is how much ice cream you can have. You can either have this ice cream or you can have nothing. And so she would concede and she would eat her ice cream. In a similar way, we can accept that our good heavenly father has given us the right portion of time and that if he says it's good, it must be good. For me, when I begin to accept, okay, God, this is the time that you've given us. You organized it this way. I begin to find peace with time. The next thing is understanding that time is not a right. Time is a gift. Time is not a right that we have. Time is a gift. And we feel this and we know this and we remember this when we experience a loss of some kind, whether it's a loss of your health or your ability or a loss of a relationship or especially the loss of someone that we love and care about. We remember time is a gift. Every breath, every day that we have is not promised. It's a gift. For us, as we get older, we appreciate more the gift of time. But young people listening, it is never too early for you to start appreciating that time is a precious gift. Sooner that you learn this, the better. Because as we start to respond and experience the pressures of everyday life, and we start having to live up to the demands and the expectations of others, as we start creating expectations for ourselves, what we'll do is we'll just start piling stuff onto our life so it is so overfilled that we're taking advantage of the gift of time. And we might be forgetting that time is a precious gift, and we might even find ourselves doing things that God never really intended or expected us to do, and we end up wasting precious time. Time is a gift, and so it helps. The sooner that we can get that and start using that time wisely, the better. There's a passage in the book of Psalms that talks about this, the whole chapter of Psalm 90. It's written by Moses. Moses, as you might know, is one of the most famous characters, especially of the Old Testament of our faith. Moses is the guy who God spoke to through a burning bush and told him to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go from slavery. And Moses at first said, I don't want to do that. That doesn't seem like something I want to spend my time doing because he didn't feel equipped. He said, God, you need to choose someone else. That's not what I am going to do. And God said, no, this is my purpose for you. And eventually Moses agreed and obeyed God. And through a series of divine um, interactions and divine events, God successfully allowed Moses to lead the people out of slavery in Egypt. And once they were freed, they wandered in the desert for 40 years. And Moses continued to be the leader of the Israelite nation. A whole nation of people. We're talking thousands and thousands of people and Moses was their leader, the leader of a bunch of grumbling and complaining people in a hot desert. Don't you wish you had that job? Moses didn't either. 
And in any given day, I can only imagine the pressures that he felt from people. Moses, we're hungry and we're thirsty and we're tired. Are we at the promised land yet? Moses, what are we going to eat? Moses, there's enemies circling our camp. What do we do? Moses, our family has a crisis. We need your help. Moses, Moses, Moses. And so Moses, there's no way he could hear all of that and solve all of those problems. And in Psalm 90, Moses is having a conversation with God about the pressures he felt in his role and specifically the pressures of time. Here is what Moses says to God. He says, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. If we're lucky, we'll live to be 70 or 80 years old at best. And even then, our life is really hard. He literally says, yet the best of them, the best of our years are but trouble and sorrow. Right? Do you feel that? For they quickly pass and we fly away. Moses is saying, life is short and life is hard. Sounds like he's writing the lyrics to a country song. (laughs) I mean, Psalms is a collection of songs, right? So Moses must be a country fan. He's saying, our life is short and life is hard. And hard as it is, it feels like it's flying by so fast. And we all feel that too. We just talked about the way that we feel that, that time, we don't have enough time, that it's going too quickly. But then all of a sudden, Moses shifts his tone. Look at what he says. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It's like all of a sudden Moses has realized this is the time he has. And he didn't know if he would ever see the promised land. He's aging. He's like, God, I'm getting old. I'm running out of time to do the things that you've told me to do. He did not know if he would ever see the promised land. Hasn't seen it yet. And yet he did not ask God for things to slow down. He did not ask God for things to get easier. He asked God for more wisdom. It's like he has realized that his bowl of ice cream isn't getting any bigger. He has this aha moment. And I have a feeling that Moses, like most of us, was cramming 85 things into every day. He had a a to-do list a mile long. He was trying to keep everybody around him happy and frequently complained about how stressed out he was. But as he talks to God in this conversation, it's like all of a sudden he's like, I get it, God. You have given me enough time to do what you have purposed me to do. So just give me the wisdom to know how to do that. Give me the wisdom to use that time more wisely. God has revealed something to Moses in this conversation that we can benefit from too. And it is this secret. Wisdom is greater than time. Wisdom is greater than time because time is a fixed resource. There's nothing we can do to buy more time. We cannot purchase more time. We cannot store up time for the future, nor can we recover lost time. It is a limited resource. But wisdom is an unlimited resource. We can have all the wisdom that we want In fact, Jesus' brother James wrote this in the New Testament. He says, 
if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. No questions asked, doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, what your job is, how much money you have, just ask God for wisdom and he'll give it to you generously. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, ask God for more time and he'll give it to you generously. Not in the Bible that I've read. But here we're told, ask God for wisdom and he'll give it to you. Wisdom is a gift, and when applied, it will help us with the gift of time. It will help us know how to use our time more wisely, more purposely. Oftentimes, I think that when we are in the throes of everyday life, and we open up our calendar, and we've got things to do, and we've got tasks, and we've got people that have expectations of us, and we have expectations of ourselves, Rarely are we thinking about how God is the organizer of time. Rarely are we even thinking about how time is a precious gift. I don't think we do it intentionally or consciously at all, but I do think that we live and behave like time belongs to us and that we can do with it whatever we want. And when we get in that frame of mind, even by accident, we just start piling stuff and activities and things and relationships into our life that lead us down this chaotic, hurried, stressful path where we end up saying and believing the lie that we don't have enough time, that we just need more time to accomplish all the things that we need and want and feel like we're supposed to do. And it is a lie because God has organized time He's the creator of it, and he's the giver of it. And so if we are followers of God, we can trust that God has perfectly organized and given us, gifted us all the time that we need to do the things, the good things that he has planned for us to do. And if we will apply wisdom to our time, we won't have to worry about running out of time. We'll have enough time to do what God has purposed us to do. But practically speaking, let's talk about what that looks like, right? What does it look like to apply wisdom to time? I'm sure there are a lot of ways that we could answer that. You probably have some practices and some habits in your life, how you try to wisely manage your time. But I want to share with you or maybe give you a jump start based on some things that I have done in the last several years that have helped me and that have helped my family to use our time more wisely. The first one is yield time to God. When you see a yield sign, what does it tell you to do? Oh boy, y'all don't know. <laughs> Listen, I'm already teaching one child how to drive. So what does a yield sign tell you to do, class? Thank you. You do know. Whoo, good. <laughs> Tells you to slow down, to use caution. But based on what we have just learned here this morning, I'm not surprised to know that traffic experts will tell you that the yield sign is the most ignored traffic sign. You have proven them right today. <laughs> A yield sign tells us to slow down 
but it is the most ignored traffic sign because what happens is aggressive drivers like yourselves will merge onto the interstate so fast that they don't give other people time to get out of their way and it causes accidents. What you're supposed to do when you see a yield sign is slow down and cautiously wait for adequate time to enter your lane so that you are not causing accidents. Adequate time. Use caution. Those are the key phrases. Now, I want you to think about how that applies to your life. Does your life look more like a car that is cautiously slowing down, looking for adequate time before you merge into the next lane? Or does your life look and feel more like 5.01 at 5 o'clock? <laughs> bumper to bumper traffic, lots of slamming on brakes so that you don't have an accident, people weaving in and out, half of them not really knowing where they're going. I have a feeling that for a vast majority of, majority of us, we just have a habit of rushing through life from one thing to the next, trying to accomplish as many things as we can in a day because we have got people to see, things to do, places to go, and we are just recklessly driving all over the place. And it's almost like we're speeding down the road and we get to an intersection, the intersection between baseball season and soccer season, and we stop just long enough for the light to turn green and then we're off to the next thing. We speed down the road and we get to the intersection between a major surgery and moving houses and we stop just long enough for the lights to turn green. Or we're stopped just long enough at the intersection between one major life event and the next, just long enough between one vacation and company coming to town, just long enough, but really no longer than a traffic light before we speed on to the next thing. So I'm just wondering, what would it look like if we chose to yield time to God and treat the hours and the days and the seasons of our life like a yield sign where we cautiously slow down, yield some time to God and ask this question, is this wise? Is this wise? What if before you speed off to the next commitment, before you speed off to the next season, before you speed off to the next yes, you slow down and you say, is this wise for me today? Is this wise for my family today? What if you pulled out your calendar and you took some time to yield to God? every day, and you said, what are the wise things for me today, God, because I know I can't do them all. What if we yielded time to God and asked, is this season of sports wise? Is this trip at this particular time wise? Is this next big family gathering right now wise? What will be the cost what will be the cost to our sanity? What will be the cost to our emotional and physical health? 
what will be the cost to our relationships? Because there is always a cost involved when it comes to using and spending our time. Not just a cost to our bank account, that's one too, but there's many costs. So what if we slowed down and we said, is this wise? Yielding time to God will sometimes mean that we don't get to do everything that we want to do or, or want to do when we want to do it. Yielding time to God will sometimes mean that we say no to people. It might mean that we disappoint some people. Yielding time to God, asking, is this wise, will sometimes mean that we rest instead of producing and working. Yielding time to God will sometimes mean that we say yes, even when it's not convenient, because we're called to serve. Yielding time to God will sometimes mean that we work so that we can rest later. But here's one of the biggest benefits of yielding your time to God. It is that when you make a decision, when you choose yes or no to put a particular opportunity or activity or event or season of life, you can do it with peace rather than with guilt or anxiety because you have yielded that to God and ask him, is this wise? It is life-changing to be able to make decisions with your time because you've yielded it to God first. It is so much more peaceful and assuring. Not only does it produce peace, but it assures us that we are moving with purpose, which is another good practice when it comes to being wise with our time. Move with purpose. I coined this phrase. Well, I don't know if I coined it. Somebody probably said it before I did, but... I started using this phrase in our house a long time ago with our son, Sam, because, um, Sam, are you in here? I love you, buddy, if you're in here. Um, <laughs> Sam is very chill, okay? <laughs> if you know Sam, he is the most laid-back, chill, cool guy, like, he is just never in a hurry to do anything. That's not to say he can't run fast or do things hurriedly if he wants to, but he is just real laid back. And so when he was little and we would be trying to go somewhere or get out of the house and get to school or get to church or whatever we were trying to do, I would give him a task and he would just be so distracted and he would just move as slow as humanly possible to go get his shoes and so I felt like I was always yelling at him to hurry up, come on, let's go. And so finally I got to this point where I was like, I'm just yelling at him all the time. I don't want to be doing that. So I tried to come up with a more positive way of saying, hurry up. And so I started saying, move with purpose. Move like you've got somewhere to be and something specific to do because you do. But that phrase just works so well when it comes to the wisdom of how we use our time, because time is a limited resource. We don't get as much as we want, and it's a gift. So I wanna move with purpose with the time that I have. I wanna know that the things I'm choosing to do, the stuff that's occupying my life and my time is purposeful. 
And there are a lot of good things that we could be doing, but just because they're good doesn't mean they're purposeful. There's a lot of good things that we could be doing, but just because they're good doesn't mean they're wise. I want to be purposeful with the time that I've been given. I want to know that what I'm doing has a point, don't you? And so, going back to Ephesians 2 where we started, we are God's masterpiece. And he has created us to do the good things that who planned? He planned for us long ago. There's a lot of good things that fight for our attention. A lot of good things we could be doing. But if you've ever wondered about your purpose and what good things God planned for you, this is a good place to start. I'd even say go back and listen to the series called The Blueprint that we just did because we learned that big picture, God's plan and purpose for us is to follow God and help others find him. So I wanna make sure that I'm moving with purpose to follow God, to become more like my heavenly father and to help other people find him too. Move with purpose, move with purpose. Sometimes knowing our purpose isn't as hard as knowing what to give up for our purpose, right? And I get that too, because it does feel like everything we're doing is important. Everything on our, on our plate is valuable. Everything seems purposeful. But this is one reason that we are always encouraging everybody, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, to be praying, to be reading your Bible on your own so that you're growing in wisdom and you're able to discern and learn what God's purpose and plan is for your life. Because while all of our purpose is to follow God and help others find him, how that plays out in our individual lives can look different, a lot of different ways. It's why we encourage you to be in community with other people who share your values, who share your faith, so that we can figure this stuff out together, so that you can ask for their help, ask for their input, ask for their experiences and their wisdom. Being in community with other people can help us figure out what are the good things that God might want for my life. It's also why we encourage everybody to serve in the body of Christ, to serve, to be a part of our church because when you're exercising those muscles, you're figuring out what gifts and talents you have and learning how to use them purposefully to help other people find God and follow Him. Moving with purpose is the thing I wanna do because time is so short. I don't wanna waste it. So this week, as you open up your calendar, as you sit down and you look at your to-do list, as you're looking at what things you have coming up, school's gonna be starting back before too long. This is a good time for us to be evaluating our time. Look at those things, what's ahead of you in the next season, what's on your plate, even just this week. And remember that wisdom is greater than time. It is the resource that can help us know how to use our time wisely. Time is limited, but you can have all the wisdom that you need. All we have to do is ask God for it. Ask him for wisdom 
in how you're using the gift of time that he's given you. Yield time to God every day. Start by asking, what is your assignment for me today, God? What is your assignment for me? I believe that God has an assignment for each and every one of us every day. It might not be the same every day. Sometimes your assignment might be to go to work and do a great job at your office. Sometimes your assignment might be really sit down and look at your kids in their faces and spend time with your kids, talk to them. Sometimes our assignment might be sit and listen to a friend. Sometimes our assignment is do nothing, rest and be still. But when we yield time to God, we actually do have some superpowers. We have the superpower of the Holy Spirit. So everything that we do in Him, He gives us the ability to do it according to His purpose and plan for us. And we can rest in that. So, wisdom is greater than time. When you hear this phrase, I wish I had more blank, what are we going to fill it in with? Wisdom. I don't need more time. I need more wisdom with the time that I have. Can we just get still and pray? God, thank you for the gift of time. Thank you for how you have organized and ordered time for our lives, for the right hours in our day, the right hours in our evening to rest. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom. We need your wisdom, Lord. We need your wisdom to accept that you are the organizer of time. We need your wisdom to appreciate the gift of time that you've given us. And Father, we need your wisdom to know how to use the time that you've gifted us. I pray that you would help us to move with purpose in the things that we do, that we would lead the people around us with purpose, that we would lead our families and children to use wisdom in the way that they spend their time. Thank you for loving us so much and for generously giving us the wisdom that we need. Help us to apply it. In Jesus' name, amen.